we thought before uh, we go into communion, we'd uh, have a time of uh, three people sharing this morning. So there's Nikki, Colin, and Angie are going to be sharing, um, essentially for about five minutes, just on what communion means to them. And we thought it would be uh, an opportunity for them just to be able to speak and just to share uh, and give us something of their experience as to what that means. So, um, Nikki, if you'd like to come up in uh, fear and trembling. I'm going to read, so hopefully my thoughts don't get too jumbled. Growing up, I knew about the Lord's Supper, that he had his last meals with the disciples before he was betrayed. But I always thought the communion was for Catholics only. It was only in my 20s when I'd given my life to the Lord and attended a Pentecostal church that I saw that communion was something that all Christians did. However, it was something I struggled with and felt uncomfortable doing. Yes, I rejoice in Christ's death, and resurrection means my sins are forgiven, and that because I believe in Jesus, I have eternal life. However, taking communion took me out of my comfort zone. For me, communion means that I sit quietly and contemplate what Jesus went through so that my sins could be forgiven that I can have a personal relationship with God our Father in heaven and that I have eternal life by believing in Jesus. I contemplate how Jesus was betrayed by someone close to him, how another close disciple denied that he knew Jesus, how Jesus was falsely accused and called a liar, how Jesus was physically beaten and hung on the cross how he was mocked and taunted. Jesus suffered physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, all because of his steadfast obedience to his Father and his Father's love for the world, all because of God's love for me. This contemplation of Christ's suffering is uncomfortable for me. The Bible tells us to break bread in remembrance of Christ's body, and drink the wine in remembrance of the new covenant in his blood. That is, that through his blood, my sins are forgiven. I thought if I didn't do communion, then I avoided having to contemplate Christ's suffering. And so I tended to find myself skipping those Sundays when communion was on, full of reasons such as mental or physical illness. These reasons were genuine and true, but they were used as an excuse. About six months ago or something, last time, sorry, sometime last year, this changed one day when David was preaching about Jude. He mentioned an extra little aside, the believers in those days, and I quote Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And this really struck a chord with me. As a believer, yes, I enjoy the teachings of the Bible and I do pray regularly. But fellowship, being an introvert and sometimes suffering from social anxiety, that wasn't and isn't an easy thing for me. But something I'm working on, so that made two and a half out of four. The big gap was the breaking of bread the thing that I had been avoiding. And so since then, I've been consciously trying to develop a new godly habit 
of participating fully in communion. Yes, it takes me out of my comfort zone, having to contemplate Jesus' suffering and God's immeasurable love for me. But it also gives me time to rejoice and thank God for his love for me and for the world. To thank God and the Lord for his act of love and grace that my sins are forgiven. It is also time to grow as I ask God to reveal my sins to me. Areas not only in deed, but in thoughts and attitudes as well. It is time to be still before the Lord. And so as believers, we're invited to partake in the Lord's table. But I would say to explorers of faith and to unbelievers too, to use this time for quiet contemplation. God may surprise you and speak to you too. Thank you, Nikki, for sharing. I can't see. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing. I know it's not easy for Nikki to get up and stand and, and share, but thank you very much for that. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to invite Colin now to come forward and, and share what um, communion means to Colin. Good morning, everybody. Um, I count it as a, a real privilege to be given five minutes to just share something of what communion means to me. And I, I took a little bit of time to prepare something of my thoughts, and I'd like to just uh, share that with you. Jesus commanded us to do this in remembrance of me. You'll see it written on the front of the communion table there. The promise of the communion service for me can be summed up in the words of a scripture that I just love, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Once a month at PBC, celebrating communion provides the opportunity to share perhaps the most important ceremony in the church with my fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. For me, it's time for reflection and focus on the extraordinary love of God, and in particular, the demonstration of that love in his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a time of mixed emotions, sorrow, sadness, amazement, gratitude, joy, and hope. The body of Jesus was broken and his blood was spilt for us. He commanded us to do this in remembrance of me. So as I seek to fulfill that command, first of all, I feel deep sorrow and sadness because of the selfishness, sin, and disobedience in my own life, whether it be deliberately going against the will of God, failing to help those in need, or thoughts that I should be ashamed of. It's in these things that, it's, it's these things that separate me from my loving Heavenly Father and which make, made it necessary for Jesus, the sacrificial Lamb of God, uh, to take his own, on his own shoulders the penalty of my sin and disobedience. I also have great sorrow and profound sadness thinking about what he went through, and uh, Nikki's already referred to that, an unjust trial, sneering torture, crucifixion, and the unimaginable mental agony of separation from his father for the breaking of a bond that had existed since the beginning of time. 
Secondly, amazement and gratitude that this incredible rescue operation instituted by God the Father was the way he chose to restore the relationship with me and welcome me into his family. As a father and grandfather myself, I think about what it must have been like for the father to initiate this remedy for our disobedience. The agony he must have gone through as the process unwound, watching his only begotten son suffering indescribable pain, aware that the complete penalty for the sins of the world had to be paid and therefore turning his back on his son and unable to respond to Jesus' cry in the Garden of Gethsemane, my father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But sorrow and sadness, amazement and gratitude can turn to joy and hope in the knowledge that the supreme example of heavenly love, unmerited grace, and self-sacrifice forms the firm, firm foundation for my joy in Christ and hope for eternity. It's so good to know that my life and future are upheld by a father and son that love me that much. That faith has seen me through 50 years of ups and downs and give me real hope and assurance for the future. And I say, Amen to the words of the hymn, How Great Thou Art. As I said in the beginning, the promise of the communion service for me can be summed up in the words of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you. It's, uh, it's very interesting, isn't it, to listen to different people's um, appreciation of communion and, and what they get from it. So um, if I can invite Angie now to come forward and share with us. Hi. Um, I believe everyone has um, shared about um, scripture, and the one that stands out for me is in 1 Corinthians uh, eleven twenty-six. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when I was reflecting about this, I found, uh, I tried to organize my thoughts, and I found three points to it. So if you can just bear with me. Communion to me is first internally, remembering what Jesus has done for me, the sacrifice paid for my soul, where he has taken me out from, is giving value to someone who had no value here. It is redemption. He gave up his life for me, so I give my life to him. So it's, it's an internal reflection of what he has done for us in the individual phase first, because it has to start with you. Then it's relationally. Communion to me is relationally. Announcing the Lord's death until he comes with you, um, with my brothers and sisters, my family in Christ, with Jesus at the center of everything, is for us to do together. It's for us to remind each other. And the words that we say, the things that we do, is pretty much who we are. And communion to me is practically. Jesus teaches something we can do. He always explains the heart of 
doing things, not just a to-do list, but the heart to do it. For example, why do we give? How do, do we love our brothers? Why is holiness important? Obedience with the right attitude at heart. Without understanding, it is, as they say, behavior modification. You know, without understanding what we are doing here is just going through the motions, ticking a box. Anyone can do that, but it's very dangerous to do that. It is a facade, it is judgment, ultimately. But with revelation, it is life transformation. It is us saying, Jesus is coming back. Yes, he died for us. Yes, um, he covered our sins. He paid the price, and he's coming back. So it, that transforms lives. Um, it's bringing the kingdom come. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, and Jesus is definitely coming back. So thank you very much for sharing communion together with us.